Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Today I want us to look at John chapter 20. This is the, the, the gospel account. This is John's account of what happened after the resurrection. And, and the scripture teaches us that for 40 days Jesus walked with his disciples. Now this wasn't like the first three and a half years. He would appear to them. And he would have moments of teaching, and then he would disappear and come back. And this happened for about 40 days before his ascension. But there's one in particular here in John that uh, was fascinating to me. And, um, and maybe there's a term you've heard of when you were growing up. You've heard someone say, well, he's a doubting Thomas. Well, this is where the passage would come from. It's in John chapter 20, and it starts at verse 24. The Bible says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless unless I I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time John was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So the disciples had seen Jesus on occasion, but Thomas hadn't yet seen the risen Christ. And, and so Thomas says, I, I hear what you're saying I hear that, that you all have seen him and that you all believe. But as for me, I'm not going to believe until I actually see the nail holes in his hand and actually put my fingers there. Until I put my hand on the side where he was pierced. You re- maybe you remember that scene from, uh, from one of the Jesus films that you've seen or, or from reading the, the testimonies in the Gospels. And so there were two noticeable places, or two, should have been two noticeable places where that could have been a place to prove or authenticate, this is Jesus, he rose again and he overcame those things. Thomas is very pragmatic. He says, I'll believe when I can do those things and see those things. And so the, the scripture is, is, unfortunately in this case, Thomas gets a bad rap for being called Doubting Thomas. But there's another place in Scripture where Thomas is ready to go into Jerusalem and die with Jesus. And so so I think it's it's an unfair unfair reputation that's been assigned to him. And uh, in fact, I would say we've probably all been guilty of far worse than Thomas. But Jesus nonetheless appears to him and, and he satisfies his doubts. Today I want us to just look and think about the theme of of unlocking the door to doubt. Unlocking your 
door to doubt. What keeps you from believing? And, and where are the doubts piled up higher than they should be? And that's a door that needs to be unlocked. The scripture says Jesus passes right through and he's in the room and, and then he addresses the doubts. Today, I think it's fair to say that a lot of us have doubts on differing things related to maybe promises in the Bible or concerns about tomorrow and how God and his sovereignty and how God and his purpose and his plan is going to come through and save the day. And so, so it's, it's normal that, that we experience doubt. But how do we unlock the door to those doubts that we have within us? The scripture says here that, that they're there locked, the door is locked. Well, why is the door locked in the first place? See, the reason the door is locked in the first place is because they were afraid that not only did they crucify their master, but they would come around and finish the job with the disciples. And so the door is locked. They're, they're, they're protected inside, but they're also trapped inside out of fear. And one of the things that happens because they're trapped in fear, they're not able to see what God is up to and about. They're in there, locked in, in this, this place because they haven't the assurance, they don't have the assurance at that point of what happens. What we do see later as when there's a great persecution later on, we'll see this in the book of Acts, that everyone flees Jerusalem, but the disciples stay, they stay planted there. In other words, they got, they've gotten past this fear stage that fear where they ran from, from the Romans when they arrested Jesus and when they were afraid for their lives. Now, because they've seen the risen Christ, they're willing to just stay in Jerusalem because they know God has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Um, but the others, the other believers, are scattered. And the gospel is used or it is spread through them running to different towns and different villages. But here in this occasion, they don't have that assurance, they don't have that faith, they don't have that belief, and in fact, doubt is still there, and the door is locked. And so, how are we going to unlock the door to those, some of those things that are, that are holding us back as it relates to following Christ? I, I know this sounds simple, and maybe even too trivializing what maybe you're going through and how you and I doubt, but the best way to unlock the door is maybe not to lock the door in the first place. The scripture says in Luke chapter 7, it says, Jesus was surprised when he heard this. He turned around and said to the crowd following him, I tell you, I have never found faith like this, not even in Israel. Now that's a, that's a very powerful statement. Jesus says, I've never seen someone who ha who's had this kind of faith in all of Israel, and who he's referring to is a Roman soldier. In fact, he's a centurion. He's over, he's over many other soldiers. He, he, he asks the, the, um, the elders, to go to the Jewish elders, to go to Jesus and to, for Jesus to come and heal his, his servant. And then as Jesus is, is, is being convinced by these elders, they're, they're telling him, Jesus, this Roman's different than everybody else. He's even helped us build a synagogue. He's put his own money into to our faith. There's something different about this Gentile. There's something about this non-Jew. There's something different about this Roman, this person. And so as Jesus is on his way, the, the Roman centurion sends someone and he says, he says, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy of you being in my house. 
I have people under me, and I tell them to go, and they go, and I tell them to come, and they come. And he passes on orders down to his soldiers, following the ranks and the hierarchy. And he recognizes that he is not worthy to even have Jesus in his home. Now, if you go back to some of the other miracles of Jesus, people invited Jesus into their homes. They couldn't wait to spend time with him. This Roman says, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. But if you would just say the word, my servant would be healed. And to this, Jesus responded in Luke chapter 7. And he said, I've never seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Among those who, who God had placed a, pro, a, a covenant promise through, through Abraham. My chosen people. I've never seen this kind of faith before. I think that was a pretty amazing statement. But the, but the, but the Roman says, I'm going to unlock the door to faith. He says, I don't even need you to come and show off. I believe you are who you say you are. See, to unlock the door or to not lock the door in the first place is to believe he is who he said he was and is and is to come. That he is the Messiah, the son of the living God, the only one, the bread of life. The one who was dead, who is alive forevermore. The, the scripture says we have to believe and the way to, to unlock the door is to not lock it in the first place. Now, I had a bad habit of, of leaving my doors unlocked when I went to Chicago and and, and everybody said, oh, it's different than how you grew up in Virginia. They'll, somebody will steal your car. I, I still did that. It was hard to get into that habit. And, and thankfully, God never allowed anyone to. He watched over the car. And I was blessed that someone had even given me that car uh, to drive in Chicago while I was studying. And God watched over that car every day that I needed it until I finished my grad studies two years later. Um, I would say we, we know the cities we live in and maybe that's not feasible today. But I can tell you about when it comes to faith. If you lock the door and say, okay, God, this is how I'm wired. I'm going to shut, lock the door and, and you're still going to have to pass through and make it work. Because that's just the way I am. Well, Jesus said, when it re, as it related to this Roman, he said, I've never seen faith like that. And we've just got to make a decision. Are we going to lock the door? Are we going to be that kind of believer? Or are we going to be another kind of believer? Are we going to be a believer that says, you know what, I'm not going to lock this door and say God can't do this. Or it's impossible for him to pass through this. No, I'm, I'm going to say, God, I'm not worthy. But I know if you say the word, it can be done. How do we unlock the door to doubt? Well, it starts by not locking it in the first place. And just believing. The scripture says in another place in James chapter 1 verse 6. It says, but let him ask in faith, not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. I don't know if you've ever gone to the beach and, and as you've, you, you set up your tent, you put your chair out, you take out your sunscreen, you set it on the table and it's right there. And, and you've kind of marked your spot there on the beach and and, and you look at it, and it's maybe lined up with the hotel you're staying in or, or maybe where the entrance point where you parked. And, and you kind of, this is where we are. And, and then you get out into the ocean and you start swimming around or, or you, you stand and floating. And the next thing you know, you look up and your tent is about 300 yards that way. Because the wave just keeps kind of moving you down the coastline or up the coastline. And, and you don't realize it at the time because you're, you're being tossed. 
You'd be moved a little at a time. Now, that's not the middle of the ocean. It's just on the edge. But hopefully you get the point. You don't even realize it until you're further away. And that's how it is with faith. That's, in fact, that's how it is with doubt. We might start off here pretty much in a good place where we can see the cross. We can believe we know that God is at work doing something. And then a little gentle wave just moves us down the coast. Just moves us a little bit, inch by inch by inch, further away from that place of faith. How do you unlock the door to doubt? Well, well Jesus says, don't be like those who have faith that's being pushed by the ocean waves. In other words, don't ask for something and doubt immediately. Ask and believe. Most of our doubts are connected to asking. Truthfully, that's the way it is. Thomas says, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see him. Many of us say, well, I'm not going to follow God unless I see him do something. And we put these conditions on God. And these conditions make it right for being tossed by the things that often toss us in life. The waves will push us in a direction. And the current always will push us away from God. Life and the struggles of this world. Jesus said, you're going to have trials and troubles in this world, but I have overcome. Where did he overcome and how did he overcome? It was through his death and resurrection. And so when you and I ask, we need to start with that as the principle that he has overcome. And so when we ask, we can doubt. So how do we overcome or how do we unlock the door to doubt? We have to believe. And, and, and some people say, well, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see. Another way to say that is, uh, he could have said, well, don't doubt until you believe. Because I'm not going to believe until, until I see it. Maybe we need to say, believe until you don't have doubt. Because I think doubts are there. I think we're all going to have doubts. But we say, I'm going to stop doubting once I once I believe or I start seeing. I'm going to stop doubting when I start seeing. And God says, if you want to unlock the door to doubt, start believing until you don't doubt. Start having faith until you don't, until this, these doubts dissipate. Don't doubt until you believe or until you see. Believe until you don't have doubt you ask him for something believe he's the rewarder of those who come to him like a good father who knows exactly what his children need even before we ask he's not going to turn us away he knows what we're going to ask before we ask it in the first place the scripture says they're in this room the door's locked thomas is in there and he'd already made the statement he's not going to believe until he sees the scars in his hand and, and actually touches them He's put some conditions on God and says, I'm not going to believe until I see it. But we know in other scripture that we walk by faith and not by sight. We're called to believe and, until those doubts dissipate, until those doubts disappear. He says, let him ask in faith without doubting. See, this is what God is looking for. And when he walks into the room and he sees Thomas, he says, okay, Thomas, here you go. This is what you need. Go for it. Look what the scripture says. It says in verse 27, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless 
any longer. Don't doubt any longer. He says, believe. The only way to unlock this door to doubt is to believe until the doubts disappear. And, and then Thomas's response was this, my Lord and my God. There is some debate that did he, did he touch? Did he actually put his hands there? Or was it enough that Jesus knew what he was thinking before uh, what he had said before as he entered into the room. How could this man even know that this was my condition for faith unless he was the risen Messiah? At least in John's gospel, we don't have a clear picture of this. It just says he believes. I, I, I personally, unless, unless somebody shows me something different, I don't believe he actually touched his hands and put his hand on his side. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something I've forgotten over the years from another gospel account. Maybe Luke says something different. But I don't remember him actually touching or, or, or any gospel revealing that. The, the, the point is, Jesus knew where Thomas was struggling. And he comes in and he says, Okay, Thomas, do you really, do we need to really go through this? See, for many of us, we don't believe just because we don't see something. He says, Thomas, here you go. You can see it. Will that help you believe? There's a scripture that Jesus says here a little later on. He says in verse 29, you believe because you've seen me. You, you get to do something that no one else in all of history will get to do later. You get to see the resurrected Jesus. And if you want to, Thomas, you can even touch. He said, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. See, unlocking the door to doubt is not just seeing to believe, but it's remembering that you and I have been blessed for the fact that we believe and haven't seen. He promises that for those of us who would believe without seeing, there would be a blessing. So everyone listening today or watching, and you're maybe live here with me right now or um, or in the, in the, you're here in the church here on Sunday and, or you're watching online. You've not met Jesus like this, like Thomas met in that closed, locked door room. But you've believed because you believed. The scripture says you are blessed this morning. You are blessed because you have believed and not seen. See, the key to unlocking the door to doubt is to believing that we've been blessed. That he has given us something that he's not given the rest of the world, at least not at that time. See, he's given us the Holy Spirit, who we'll learn about later in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in all of the world. He'll give us power to not only to believe, but also to be his disciples in the world. Believe because you've been blessed. Well, what have you been blessed with? The scripture goes on to say a little further. It says... The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles, miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, the Gospel of John. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So you and I get strength from what we read. We get strength from what we read, not necessarily what we have seen. In other words, you haven't seen Jesus rise from the dead. But these things were written so that you would be blessed, that you would be strengthened. You and I don't believe because we've seen. We believe because we have been blessed and we've been blessed with the word of God. And he says this is enough for you. 
generation after generation will be blessed because they have believed in the word of God. The, Paul writes to the church at Romans and he says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Have you heard the word of Christ? Has it penetrated your heart? Have you believed? Let me tell you, if you've heard the word of Christ, then the door has been unlocked to faith. Don't forget that God can move freely in and out of a room. He can move freely in and out of a locked room like we see in this passage. The door can be locked tighter than tight. And He can move through. And maybe... If we're not careful, we can say, okay, God, this is how I am, and I just need you to go through that door, and then I'll, then I'll catch up on faith. But maybe the key to unlocking the door of doubt and believing is just simply opening the door and believing. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your heads, whether you're in person or you're watching online. And I want to pray for you. If there are doubts that have piled up so high that you're struggling to believe anymore, I pray that the word of Christ that was preached today would help you open that door. Lord, would you help us to believe? Or as it was spoken of by another man in the New Testament, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, would you... Help us unlock the door to doubt so that we can believe and be your witnesses in the world. You wanted Thomas to, to, to believe so he could go out and represent you in the world, and I believe the same thing today. You want us to get through these doubts and get over them so that we can get on with it. Get on with what you've called us to do. Lord, would you unlock the door to the doubts that are holding us and trapping us in and free us to be who you've called us to be in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.